Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. Well, all right. We are here for a very special episode. I am very happy to welcome my friend, Mr. Evan Allison. Evan is an engineer for a renewable energy startup in Boulder and a frequenter of the Citizens Climate Lobby. So Evan, thank you so much for being on Changing the Climate today. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here and uh, I'm looking to have a good conversation. So it should be fun. I just... I suspect, uh, I suspect it'll be a good one. But uh, before, before we get into all the climate change stuff, I'd love to just get some background on who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am I, uh, I'm an engineer for a startup, renewable energy startup that came out of the University of Boulder, Colorado Boulder, um, and a couple other universities. Uh, it's focused on waste, to, waste heat to electricity energy harvesting. So uh, the idea is there's heat out there um, that's going to wait, that's just disappearing. Uh, we can't use it. We want to make things more efficient. We want to convert it back to electricity um, to save down. Basically, it's a way of saving carbon emissions, cutting down on carbon emissions. Um, and our technique, there's a lot of ways of doing waste heat harvesting. Our technique is actually to use um, antennas and uh, capture radiation off of these hot processes. And, you know, just like uh, antenna that are in your phone or whatever, uh, it'll capture that radiation uh, and convert it to an electrical current um, that you can capture. You can charge a battery. You could run it into you know, whatever you wanted to do um, with that electricity. Using radio waves? Radiation. Radiation. Right. Yeah. All right. So keep in mind, I'm, I'm not a scientist here. Is, is, is it right that you went to CU then and that's where the company no, came No, I out? actually, so I worked with CU um, in, during grad school. I actually went to the University of Missouri. Um, okay. So um, a couple of guys... The people I work with in the startup, two of us came out of University of Missouri and the other one came out of Boulder. We worked with a couple other universities and other uh, groups. Idaho National Lab was involved and in, in some other um, small companies. Um, we've, I've been working there for two years, a little mm -hmm. over two years, um, almost two and a half actually. And yeah, it's a it's startup life though. So, you know, got to deal with <laughs> Emotion, emotional waves. Yeah. And, and, and for us, you know, we don't really have an income uh, as far as, you know, you, you don't have a product to sell. So I feel that investors, you know, putting their, their, their time and their money in. So it's, it's fun stuff. It's challenging. It's makes life interesting. And there's always, it's always like, I wear a lot of hats. You got to do a lot of different things. Is it just three of you? There's three uh, full-time employees. We have right. Uh, the investors, they kind of controlled the board and the finances. And then there's uh, a CEO right now. It's an interim CEO. And then a lot of consultants that are basically full-time consultants, but they're not salaried employees. Gotcha. How did you first get involved in this like renewable energy stuff? What got you interested in this field? Uh, I, that, that's came, you know, going to college. That was kind of yeah. always something that interested me. I, in undergrad, I, bounced around. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I started in aerospace engineering, went to uh, chemistry, got a degree in chemistry, and eventually did chemical engineering. Um, it's kind of just full gambit. I worked, you know, did biology type stuff for a while. So energy didn't really hit me as something I really wanted to do, especially renewable energy until probably right after graduating undergrad. And 
that kind of motivated me to go back to grad school and, and find a, a way to you know, get into that career. So that's, that's, that's what's led to here. Um, yeah, fair enough. So let me just give the audience a little background here. So a few weeks ago or a few months ago now, I had Kelsey Grant on the podcast and she, she talked about the Citizens Climate Lobby, which is this organization that you and I are both involved with. That's how we met. I, meant to, I went to this monthly meeting for the Citizens Climate Lobby. I'm very interested in, in their kind of play on how to tackle this overarching problem of climate change. And then we, since then, we've been involved in this sort of podcast group to try and get get you know more creative conversations about climate change and various things and we spoke on the phone and we attended this event with this climate simulator that was really cool and I just thought it'd be really great to just have you on the show and kind of just unpack all the crazy stuff that's going on as far as like trying to you know some people think that humans can't even affect the climate at all but let alone trying to orchestrate this extremely complex system it's just so it's such a tough challenge for someone I feel like us kind of just talking about it would be really useful for, for listeners. Yeah. It, it, it is a incredibly, uh, complicated problem. Um, and I think the first thing that needs to happen is, is addressing that it is a problem in, in a concrete way, setting the bounds on what, what the problem really is. We, I think conversations around it can go astray and, and, uh, yeah. I think that's a lot in the political discourse, which is we're, we're getting involved with the CCL citizens climate lobby, which is kind of getting that political side of things. And in the political discourse, you really have a hard time uh, having a real conversation about what the actual problems are and what we should. And then if you can't even really identify the problems. You can't really come up with a concrete set of solutions. So no. um, that's where I see some of the main problems. And we're both very interested in that stuff. Yeah. So the, the way I, I try to think about it in as simple a way as I can is that most things in, in life in the world are composed mostly of this carbon atom. Well, not even atom. Carbon element is what it is. And when you burn something, it goes from a solid to a gas or it goes from, I don't know if like oil is a liquid or a gas, but the idea is we're burning carbon it's going into the air and the air is this atmosphere, which is like this blanket or shield around the planet. And what it's doing is it's adding this layer of carbon, which is creating like a second, a second layer to the atmosphere, which causes heat to be trapped more into the earth. And that is, and then the theory or, or the, the science shows that that leads to death of living things. Is that not fair? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, death is questionable, but and and I I tend to be a little bit more optimistic on it. That you know you're right. Like we are emitting carbon um, from it's it's been packed down in the earth through oil, uh, coal, and we burn it and it gets in the atmosphere, and it prevents it raises the overall temperature of the earth. And it's a fairly simple you know science thing. We don't have to get into to balance that, but mm -hmm. um, it's that process is pretty well understood. And there's actually some very easy experiments you can do at home where if you, for example, if you just take a, a fish tank and cover it with a piece of glass and put a little hole in it with a straw. And you know that you breathe CO2, right? Um, you we can exhale CO2. We exhale CO2, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, that's what I meant when I said breathe. Uh, and if you put a light over it, you can, and with a thermometer in there, you can breathe in and you'll watch the temperature rise inside your 
uh, your, your fish tank or whatever. And that's a very simple ex experiment to kind of demonstrate like, oh yeah, the, the earth does heat up when you put more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Does it lead to death? That's where it starts to get complicated and where this conversation, sure. um, I think, can go astray because we don't know what happens. There are a lot of feedback mechanisms, some of them bad, some of them good. And I think overall, like, I think we need to under, we need to do what we can to get a grasp on keeping our temperature down, but understanding those feedbacks and, you know, what is bad and what is good is very complicated. For instance, you know, more CO2 plants will grow more. That's an argument you hear a lot, right? Plants greener will, earth. Right. But we, we don't know what the act, the best scenario, the best amount of CO2 in the atmosphere for is for those plants. And that, so it's a convoluted way of getting back around to, there's a lot of things we don't know. And that's where the conversation gets messy. Well, here's something we do know. The average rate of global species extinction has accelerated in a crazy way. It's 10, if not a hundred times higher than it was the last, I don't want to mess up the numbers, but I think it's the last like hundred thousand or millions of, or 10 million years. So things were, things have been, you know, and there, there are, there are these mass extinction events like happen. Everyone knows about the dinosaurs that, but that was the theory is that was something external came from off the off planet and disrupted the system. Right now, the theory is we're the thing that's disrupting the system and causing this mass extinction event. And hopefully it's not a mass extinction event. And we can get a handle on it. It's, I'm optimistic. It, it won't, it won't be because but, we're talking about it. If we didn't talk, if we just kept going, I don't know. Which is why we're here. Um, but you should, there's an interesting, another example and Australia is that example. So we know the dodo bird, right? The dodo bird is, yeah. there's, there's many other megafauna is what they're, they're large animals that are similar to what we, we would see today that used to, like, we know that they lived, um, in Australia and Australia was largely uninhabited by humans for a long time. And I don't know the dates on this. There's a, a book I have on this, uh, shelf behind me that I remember reading it in, but when humans got there, they almost just them being there. So not even a climate change kind of carbon dioxide related thing, but just our impact to the environment, to, to the ecosystem caused them to go extinct. Um, sure. so that's an interesting, you know, kind of similar story here that we're, we're comparing to that's not just dinosaurs that we think were an external. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's about this idea of like perpetuating these feedback loops, right? Where we come in and we put in this input that wasn't there before. And all of a sudden it creates this vicious cycle where the more we put in, the more it, it, it does, it causes more heat, which causes more fires, which releases more stuff that causes heat, which causes more fires. And then, and it gets into this out of control thing that all these client scientists are so afraid of that yeah. we're kind of, we're seeing evidence of now with fires, with average global temperature, with sea I mean, level you rise. You saw the fires up in, uh, you know, just not far from here, right? You I know? tasted them, man. I taste them when I walk around. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it doesn't take away, uh, or it's just so hard to put into words really like when you, when you see it and you feel it, like, how real it really is with the, the fires and everything. And you no doubt. It. Yeah. 
So I've, this show is kind of my way of trying to grapple with finding, I say a solution, but like now every, every episode, it's like another topic of something completely different. We're going to be talking about regenerative agriculture next week, which is like, and then there's like, we talked about sequestration a couple of weeks ago. And actually, so the mayor of Boulder actually founded a similar company to what you guys, I don't think they're using radio energy, but he created this cool energy company that takes, um, exhaust heat and turns it into like you know what something that can be used to power <laughs> homes i'm not i'm not a science-minded person but the so i i got raving reviews of, so i go door to door and i talk to people and, so, and oft, oftentimes i'll come across someone in our age demographic or a climate scientist who's involved with this space and they were all saying yo dude go go to the citizens climate lobby it's amazing like go, and then i went to the meeting and then obviously that's how we met and i the this solution of this carbon fee and dividend is very very compelling for me because i'm looking for like there's no silver bullet right that's what we say but um when we when we looked at that simulator and that which I, maybe i should explain a little bit more there's this there's this simulator made by mit that has all these different like gears and things where you can like plug in like if we continue deforestation at this level what effect will it have on the temperature i don't want to get into this too too much but the point is Huh? En-ROADS. En-ROADS simulator. Yeah. En-ROADS climate simulator. I'll definitely link that on my website and stuff. But the point is, is it seems that a tax on carbon would be the most effective way to fight these, these negative loops that we're talking about. Because then people would be incentivized to burn less carbon. Right. It, it is very compelling. And uh, it seems to be, like you said, the word silver bullet. It seems to be the closest thing that I've seen in that simulator kind of represented that it comes to the, mo- the closest thing to a silver bullet that can solve it. It's not perfect. There are a lot of things that when you tax something, there's economic impacts and those economic pe- impacts can also affect the, the climate in, in ways that you don't necessarily want to. So the, the, the legislation and I'm Kelsey, uh, I'm sure did a great job. I watched most of that episode, did a great job explaining She's it. So great. we don't need to go too much detail, but the, you have to put things into that policy, the one that uh, CCL supports right now, to prevent you know, negative impacts from the tax to actually hurt you, not only economically to you and I and, and you know, any, anybody in the, um, you know, any of the people that are actually going to pay that tax, but also mm-hmm. the environment and other things. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of another realistic way to stop the increase in emissions that we've seen over the last few decades than to create some kind of incentive to, to stop it. And I, you know, I'm sure we'll get into talking about the, the business side of everything, which I think obviously that's what I'm pursuing with my, my venture, but I'm very compelled by what CCL is doing. And just the idea of it's like, if this legislation were to pass and tomorrow all of a sudden it costs money to what we would really consider polluting the environment, it just, it would have a, such a huge impact. It would, it would really make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it, it, I think the biggest thing that where it actually, the reason why it has the biggest impact is because it touches almost every industry, every option that you could have. It helps if you're going to cut down on polluting carbon, it in, impacts you. But additionally, uh, it's the most immediate thing. Right. So 
you if you put that tax in there the fastest thing that's as soon as the as soon as you do that companies are going to react they're going to react with technologies that exist right now to help reduce their cost as far as that tax has gone and that will have an immediate impact on the carbon emissions and that that's why it has the greatest long-term effect because we need to start doing things 20 years ago and so um that that's i think when you look at the simulator that that's a part that it's because of that immediate impact that it can have that it um works dick people people need incentives i always talk about how i can work many many hours because i have purpose because there's some sort of thing i call it like the black cloud behind me that i'm like running away from i have to work twice as hard because not only do i want to like sell houses but i want to donate money and then it's like if i don't do this and then we don't all work together we're gonna you know get swallowed up that's just the way i look at things but just the idea of having some sort of actual incentive to stop misbehaving is the only way to actually get people to, to do stuff. So let's actually, before we move on, let, let's, can we, can we kind of like flesh out? So you and I obviously think carb, carbon emissions is a huge problem, but not everyone does. Is there, is there any way we can make some kind of compelling argument for, for why it is definitely a problem? Because it's hard to be, it's hard to make absolute statements, you know, but it yeah. just seems like the evidence is so like overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, it's what what I have found in my conversations with because uh, because you're identifying generally conservative leaning people politically, sure. um, who usually look at it like oh carbon isn't a problem or or maybe it is but we are it's always been there and it always goes through cycles whatever argument we want to hear it's generally conservative leaning people what I've actually my experience in the past couple of years has been a little bit different having conversations that I've seen some people that I went to school with or some people I grew up with family, whoever has actually evolved a little bit in their thinking around carbon. Hmm. And it's publicly, they're still going to be a little bit hard to get them to say, you know, in front of, go. They, ha- they have, they have a image to protect, right? A mask. And, and yeah. And especially for politicians, but behind do- closed doors, they're like, no, 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 okay, I do recognize that there are problems here. And it's, so it's, it's solving, um, that's, just, that, that's politicians specifically, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't that's say- That's a problem in itself, what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> that, that touches not just climate change, that touches politics and Ooh, everything. Humanity <laughs> and, and, and her vices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think that the conversation is evolving. I don't think it's evolving at the pace that you or I want it to. Sure. Um, but I have noticed that people are starting to be more willing to have that conversation and, and acknowledge um, certain aspects of it. It's still not where I want it to be. And that's why I've gotten involved with CCL and, um, I, and why I want to be on here to talk to you. And I'm sure why you've had this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's to get this conversation rolling. Um, because I, it's, it's important if, if people are talking about it, think about politics, if people start talking about it, the media will respond when the media and, and that will eventually work its way up. Um, yeah. and it's a slow process, but, 
and like we said earlier, we don't have time, but we got to start somewhere and this is the best way to do it. I, yeah, I agree. And I, I think we have a very unique position as well as Americans. People don't realize how powerful their, their voice really is. Like me just speaking with you on the phone, however, a couple months ago now, it really, like our conversation stood out in my mind. And if everyone's having these conversations and another thing, so I have a lot of friends who are from outside the country, whether they live in Europe or Australia or Asia, and they all When I talk to them, they're like, oh, uh, what do you think about the election? I'm like, why do you guys care about the election? But the the U.S. is this huge cultural figure is really what it is. We seem to be, whether people agree or not, we seem to have this huge influence on the global economic system. And if we lead the way, like Europe, like what Europe is trying to do with the, the climate accords, if we were to lead the way on climate, I think it would would be adapted uh, globally quite quite quickly. So it, it, we each individual American citizen, with their vote, with their actions, with their time, with their words, can can ha- can have a very huge impact. I think that positivity needs to be expressed to people because you're exactly right. your vote, your voice. Just having the conversation, just taking even if it's ten minutes to talk, to talk to someone throughout your day, and kind of be like, you know, this is interesting or whatever. It moves, it might not feel like it in that instance, but it moves the needle enough. And if you get enough people doing it, you will eventually get there. And that's, that is, to me, it's, it's a glass half full, op, you know, look at it. But I think that's the best way we can you know, move things forward. It seems to be the, that's what I've kind of gotten from these first 20 weeks of this show, or whatever, how many weeks it's been, is that communication seems to be probably the the whatever we use the phrase silver bullet because if everyone hears something it you know thoughts seep into people's minds and they don't they don't disappear they just continues bubbling and bubbling and bubbling so that's why this this podcast is so great and just the idea of me knocking on someone's door and being like hey i'm the climate change realtor like this is important to me i'm 23 like i want to have children and if we don't change things i don't know if i'm gonna do that you know right 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 that's you're exactly right um, with, with all of it. So, and I'm going to change the subject just a little bit. Not really. Go for I think, it. Hell yeah. I think both based on our conversation now and previously, I think we both kind of identify as eco-modernists, right? Right. Think, right. A little bit more, you know, use the technology a little bit more. Um, uh, we have the ability to solve things a little bit, po- a positive look, on our situation right now. Using our current system, we can use the system that already exists to make improvements. Right, that's where I was trying to go with it. this is, I think we both think that, to bring it back to, to the conversation stuff, like talking about it is a way to get the technology and the things, the, the, the societal mechanisms, the cultural mechanisms that exist moving in the right direction, which we already, which will then get the technology to solve the problem that we both want to solve. Um, and, and that we don't need a, I think the other thing that's key um, and to come full circle on the end road simulator, everything you notice mm-hmm. there's, we don't need a leaps and bounds new technology. We don't need okay. a quantum leap somewhere. We have the technology to, to start doing this stuff. Um, and it's just, again, comes back to the conversations and comes back to, getting things moving. 
and incentivizing people by showing them that this is actually superior to what we're doing now and then following this whole process of of evolution what was i what was i thinking about um yeah it's just like the systems are out there yeah like you said that's interesting so what what is your what is your kind of day-to-day look like at is it red wave red wave yep um red wave energy so it's how much can you share (laughs) i it since it's a small startup um i do a lot of computer work, a lot of lab work, uh, work, you know, work with other teams um, to kind of either design, test, do a lot of experiments, all that type of stuff. Uh, and again, since it's small, I kind of, we dip into all avenues. So into the business side, into just getting stuff done for our company. So the three of us um, take on a lot of hats on different days and it can be it's, it's just, uh, yeah, a lot of different things. There's not one kind of day to day or I know what my routine for the week is going to be. It's, that's the thing. Is I feel you, man. Um, can be something different. I could be in the lab. I could be. Every day's a journey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's stressful, but it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Same, <laughs> literally same with exactly what I'm doing. I guess what I was trying to think of before is, so the the main source of emissions, is it is it industrial use of electricity? Is that what the main source would be? So the idea would be for large corporations to use renewables in theory, or it's so many different parts to play around with. So this is, this is a good topic to go down the route of. Um, the emissions come from a lot of different uh, places. And one I think is just, it's not just commercial or industrial electricity generation. So there is, I would say four big groups. Um, cool. I'm kind of spitballing here. So go for it. no one watching is going to judge me too much. Um, but one is, one is transportation. That's I think biggest one. Uh, what makes you say that? Because I, I, as, I, as I understand it, it's one of the, the smaller percentages of actual emissions. So my reasoning of kind of making it a big one is that you can't solar panel your way to make that any lower. You can't, <laughs> you can't do some of the key, the things that we have as far as the technology that's established solar panels and wind for renewables and other things to make those emissions go down. All you can do is make them more efficient. Um, Maybe batteries could make, you know, they can, batteries have a role to play, especially in light transportation. So uh, small cars that we could drive around, right? But if you're talking about flight, which you're not going to change outside of a global pandemic, the amount of people that are getting on a plane per year or every mm-hmm. day to travel around the world, that is- Which is of, amazing. Which and is amazing. So happy to have that. Yeah. I mean, and we shouldn't take that away. No. Like- humanity has done such such a good job getting to where we are that you can now travel anywhere in the world virtually and see it in your lifetime. You go back even a hundred years ago and you could not do that. Wow. So, um, I, again, uh, flight is very important. So I, you're not going to change flight from a, an emissions standpoint all that much. There's not, you're not from an industrial standpoint, like boats and shipping and all that stuff. 
they're going to probably run on oil and gas. Um, and why is that? Well, just at the stage right now for batteries or any today, like you can't use solar panels for them, right? Um, you can't put, you can maybe do some light planes. We've, we've seen some, there are some demos out there where they put solar panels on planes and you can fly a couple people, you know, short distances with them, but you can't get the international travel and shipping that is occurring. That well, shipping is huge. The, the global economy. Absolutely. These planes. So in the immediate future, now maybe a hundred years from now, who knows that could get better and that the transportation chunk changes. But right now, if we're talking about making steps in the next decade, five years, 20 years, even that chunk is important because you're not going to be able to use wind and solar or any of these other technologies to really reduce those emissions. You're going to have to live like we hear about politicians talking about like, we got to get to zero net emissions, zero net emissions, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be able to get rid of those emissions from transportation. You're going to have to capture it, which is, uh, you've had a sequestration, uh, you know, you did that. That would be in two weeks before this airs. Yeah. Right. So you could do that to, to offset, but you're never going to get rid of it because you're not going to be able to kill the economy that it depends on that type of transportation. Yeah. Um, that's why that's one of my big, big groups. Okay. Cause, cause you, you think, yeah. Oh, one of the things that was, was interesting from the simulator is that it doesn't remove all use of gas and oil it's and that's that's one of the things that i've realized as well is that we don't need to completely stop burning fossil fuels we just need to change the ratios so we're not emitting too much carbon right yeah Yeah. and working so exactly and i don't think and again the similar takes like that's why you see the fossil fuels not go away because we need them for transportation. Um, okay. The other big so sector, the other three, yeah. The other big sector is, I would say, agriculture, farming, feeding. Um, and this one, the emissions that are related to it, I think we can do a lot there. Um, whether it's like, there's a lot of methane capture and methane can be used to burn to get energy back. So that helps make things more efficient. Um, there's a lot of things in farming that's interesting to make. Uh, and, and another optimistic look is that if you look at the square footage that's been committed of, of, of land that's being committed to farming throughout the centuries, it actually goes down. We are getting better and better at farming, mm-hmm. which means we're really making it more efficient. And we are doing what we can. We're, and we're not really always going to be able to cut those emissions out, but we, I think we can get that pretty close to, to zero. And there's, I'm less familiar with all the techniques there, but uh, I think it's possible. Yeah, and that'll be on next week's episode. We'll talk about regenerative ag a bit. Have you seen? Have you ever seen one of those like aqua farms or whatever, where they've got like plants like going from like the roof to the floor, and they're all in like buckets of water, and it like recycles through? There's, I yeah, we're very. I'm very optimistic about that kind of stuff. It's really cool. and like there's some greenhouses where they make the greenhouses like stacked. So basically it's building a, a building that's 10 stories and each story is now a greenhouse. So you're, cool. you're taking all of the land, like you have, you know, this much land and you're squeezing it to this much. So your land usage is getting a lot better and you're, and you're feeding more people that way. Um, there's a lot of interesting things in the farming world that I'm not, 
I don't want to speak on in too much detail because I don't, I just kind of know abstractly what, what's going on, but that's, I think that's the other segment of missions that yeah. needs to be a I'm just curious what, what, just quickly, what are your thoughts as far as like meat consumption goes? I'm, I'm okay with it. I think, yeah, I think we need to like, whatever you want to eat, it's your prerogative to eat what you want to eat. Sure. Outside of eating other humans. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, cultures have done that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you want to be fully renewable and use everything, I mean, (laughs) Um, no, I eat what you want to eat. I, I don't think like be like my big thing is be wary of where your food is coming from because Uh that like, if you're buying food, that's getting made halfway across the country or across the world, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a transportation cost there. That's a carbon footprint. So as best as you can. and, And one of the great things like about where we are again with the planes is we can, this, this is something you didn't get to do a hundred years ago. We can today have food from Argentina, from, mm-hmm. from where, from China, from wherever. That's great. We shouldn't, that doesn't mean don't eat those foods. It just means when you can get something that's made in both places, if you can get something that's made, you know, farmed in Colorado. Yeah. Get it from Colorado. Don't pay for it to get, to get it from California, for example. Uh-huh. And I think that is one of the biggest things that you can, you can do. Um, I'd love to, I just, I'm curious what your thoughts. So there's the people who eat meat and they're like, fuck off. Like it's my meat. Like I'm eating as much meat as I want. Whenever you can't stop me. This is my life. Like leave me alone, hippie. And then there's like vegan. Who's like, you're murderers. Like you guys are horrible people. You have to completely stop all your meat consumption. Why is it? Why is it that everyone's like thinks that they're so righteous and knows exactly what they're doing is perfectly amazing. <laughs> and the other person is a moron. Like, is there any way we could just I mean, like be like, that explains our political situation <laughs> in the world, like to a T, right? Everyone. Why, <laughs> why are people like this? I, we're all dumb. I, I think there's, we're, an, we're monkeys. I, I think there's an interesting ethical debate around eating animals. Sure. I do. I, at this point in my life, I, I don't fall on the side of the vegans on it. I, I just go like, you know, why does it have to be a side? Why can't it just be like, let's, let's just talk. Yeah. Like I just come out like, you know, we're, we, we are at the top of the food chain. We've gotten mm-hmm. there through our, with these, you know, Indeed. things up here. And that should allow us to, to eat them i i un, there's an interesting ethical debate of like you're eating another life and like they do have personalities maybe i don't know yeah, well not e- not even this talk just the idea that that yeah like you said it's the political divisiveness is what it is is this i don't understand why people think that they're so smart that whoever thinks something different from them is obviously wrong when in reality like we don't know shit it, it's it's complicated i, I like i I see both arguments. I just go sure. like, if you want to eat what you want to eat, if you like it, do it. Um, don't. Amen. And I think one of the biggest things that we could do for farming, and this gets into another conversation, I'm just going to mention it, but uh-huh. it's off way off topic is uh, fix our diets. As Americans, we have diets that are just, we eat way too much. We overconsume, we over, uh, overeat. That will. We throw out a lot of good food. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a life, that's a lifestyle thing. You can make conscious choices. My fridge is empty at the end of every week because I don't buy things that I'm not going to eat. Yeah, that's a good way to do it's it. Not, it's not that hard to do either. Yeah. And it's cheaper. Yeah. But we just have, there's a cultural thing of just, we overeat, we overconsume. Even when we, we do buy things that like we think, uh, if, even if you do go your route and like, oh, it's my fridge will be empty by the end of the week. Sometimes we eat, there's too much and we could cut that back by 20%. Yeah. And if you put that stuff back, you can start, you know, that will affect the emissions in, in a long time thing, but that gets into a, a different. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Fair enough. I just wanted to ask. So we've got transportation, we've got agriculture. We got two more that you wanted to mention. Yeah. So I think the next one, the next two are similar, but I will make distinguish. And it's basically just electricity or energy that we use for uh, everyday life. This. Um, and so it can be, as we kind of started this conversation around, was industrial energy. So electricity for corporations or, or commercial processes or industrial processes. I think those and just residential energy as well are really, they're, they're separated. So like maybe you can separate them a little bit, but they're kind of the same. And they, that, those two uh, groups is where the technology we have today can do the most to um, impact those emissions. How so? Well, that's where you can electrify the grid. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, wind and solar. You, there is natural gas in the immediate future actually has a, a good role to play, um, in reducing the amount that we depend on coal, which is coal is one of the largest polluters of, of CO2. Mm-hmm. Um, and so natural gas, I mean, there's been all the conversations, you know, go back to 20. Can you explain, can you explain the difference real quick? So, so people know, cause so I hear coal, clean coal, clean coal, <laughs> clean coal is basically, you'll get into the conversation probably with the sweet sequestration person about clean coal a little bit. It's basically just I'm, when you, when you, um, mine the coal and when you burn it you capture it or you do things to capture the co2 you do things to filter make it. it burn cleaner you can make it burn more efficiently there's some tricks there too um but so coal is basically a solid chunk of carbon that's found mm-hmm. in in the earth um natural gas is a liquid or actually not even a liquid a gas it's a gas yeah uh, that is compressed beneath the earth and a lot of times what we do um, there's pockets of it. This is where fracking comes in. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Is and, what is, and then what is shale? Shale oil is just a, it's just the it's, formation. It's, 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 it's okay. the ge- geologic, ge- geologic formation of where the, the oil or the. Okay. Gas. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so we're, we're extracting natural gas from the ground and fracking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you get the natural gas. And so now natural gas is like, largely it's methane. Um, and you do. Bad. So methane reacts with oxygen to get CO2. And is CO2 it not 20, isn't methane like 27 times more potent in the atmosphere than like carbon? Right. But so with natural gas, you don't actually emit methane or very much methane. You emit okay. CO2 because what you, um, any, to go into the reaction a little bit, you have the, the chemistry a little bit, you have 
uh, methane is uh, one carbon with four hydrogen atoms around it. And car uh, CO2, carbon dioxide, is one carbon with two oxygens around it. And when you react a carbon molecule, so for instance, oil is like a bunch of carbons with a bunch of hydrogens around it, all in a chain. Um, same with uh, uh, coal and other, other sources. When you react that carbon with oxygen, you get energy out. Um, and you can get that energy out by, it heats up stuff and you generally take that heat into steam, that steam turns a turbine and you get electricity. Mm -hmm. um, so with methane, you just have one carbon and the, and the four hydrogens. That will react the same as everything else does with oxygen and form CO2. So you actually emit CO2 Okay. still. And I need, yeah, so that's, it's that's complicated. Where, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where like methane has its uses. Um, and it's not like, it's, it's all like propane. For example, you burn propane. The propane is that same thing. It's three carbons. You burn it with oxygen and to get flames and your, you know, your little propane stoves or your grills or whatever. Or like backpacking and, and stuff. Yep. And you, release co2 that comes off of it right so what's the role of this natural gas then you think because i i have yeah it does seem like so it's, I, don't, I don't know okay go ahead go ahead similar reaction um but it's cleaner and it's cleaner in the sense that it's more efficiently converting one molecule into that co2 product that is what effectively is killing coal because coal like it has, it's a bunch of different carbon chains. Mm -hmm. And so they're not all going to burn at the same, it's, it's a little complicated. It's not going to burn at the same efficiency. You're not always going to get CO2. Um, you're going to get carbon monoxide sometimes, for example. And that is basically just a way of showing inefficiencies in those reactions and inefficiencies in those processes, which you have less of when you have uh, methane, natural gas. Um, so long story short, that's what's killing coal. <laughs> yep, got um, you. It, it has a very, I think, immediate, it's cheap. The, the technology is very well understood. And if we get into the dynamics of electricity generation in the market, natural gas is very important because you can actually run a natural gas uh, peaker plant, is what it's called, that can basically respond to supply and demand in the market of electricity like that. And so you can just open, oh, you start burning that, get that electricity off. And that can be like, everyone talks about for, for wind and solar, which have a, a very dynamic generation, like sun is shining, they're creating, wind's blowing, they're creating, but that's not always when we're using. So you need to balance that stuff. And you can, the idea is to use storage and storage definitely has a role to play, but it's not all the way there, especially at grid level storage for all, you know, all of us home level maybe or whatever um, or charging your cars, but not at a big time level. So what you can do is use natural gas. You're still polluting, but you can cut back on your emissions a lot if they fill in those gaps in the demand and the supply of electricity. Fair enough. So and what was that fourth source you wanted to discuss or was fourth, it kind of mixed in one, there? Those two are related. One is kind of what you and I would use electric, then, electricity uh -huh. that you and I are, uh, small businesses, small, small usage of it and electricity. The other one is 
industrial processes, commercial right, right. companies that are just cranking out and, and for whatever it is. The reason why those are separated is who's responsible for them. Like one is me mm -hmm. or you at an individual level, one is a company. Um, but the why, why they're so close and almost even one group is because you could use wind, solar, and other technology we have to cut those emissions. Yeah. Instead, um, of, instead of what? Instead of using the coal plant that's down the road, you convert it to the other things. And there's one energy source we haven't talked about yet that I'm interested in. Um, but well, I let's, think that's rule. But we can hold on. Yeah, let's now let's do it. You want to talk about nuclear energy? Nuclear energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ele the elephant in the room. Um, it's just how many meltdowns have there been? Just is it just Chernobyl, or was there more than one? I mean, the most recent one is. Fukushima, which was 2011 or 2010, somewhere in there. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Um, and it, it, that, that's that been the biggest one, most recent one. Uh, okay. It's, you'll hear advocates talk about it as and like- how many oil spills have there been? <laughs> right, right. Um, it, nuclear lot. is just so like, it's got that Cold War reputa re reputation that when you hear the word nuclear, you, you just immediately- It's all about stigma. That Cold War stat. But, so there's, there's a lot of negative stigma to it. Yeah. But, um, and it's not like, yeah, there may be issues, but generally speaking, especially new age nuclear can be quite safe. And, and even if there are meltdowns, it's, there's, there's problems with other, te uh, you know, energy sources as well. Absolutely. It's and I'm compelled by this just like, like you are because I want action. And I think that's, that's what it is. And I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about why nuclear is, is compelling as a solution to it. Cause the goal is getting, uh, is getting energy from sources that are not carbon based and nuke is nuclear is not carbon based, right? No, no, not, nope. Um, nuclear. It, it basically has zero carbon emissions. Right. Um, compelling. It's, so it's very compelling from that standpoint. Um, it, it's another way of generating electricity. It has generated a lot of electricity for in the last 50 to 60 years since we started building nuclear power plants for a lot of people. We, we have this idea that it, the biggest thing in the past that has been that I, I think that we've kind of fixed now is water it, it, to run the cooling towers, to run, you know, to keep everything kind of stable. You got to run a lot of water. That water becomes contaminated um, and really unusable. And water is an important resource and part of this energy and, and pollution, carbon pollution equation as well. You got to make sure that we all, we have clean water for people to drink and for people to have and, mm -hmm that that's an energy there's an energy component to that um but so in the past it's just been tons and tons of water that's just gone to waste to keep these things going they're much more efficient now the water um cleaning up the water is much we, we and if we put money into it it'll continue to become more and more efficient just like how the renewable sources of energy have become more and more cost effective as well yep exactly and so I, there's a lot in nuclear there. Uh, and then the Holy grail is nuclear fusion, which that's the, 
that's the quantum leap technology right there that is close. Like there's, there's people that go, okay, I think we, 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 we got a little bit of a nuclear reaction, fusion reaction. And then you go, okay, well, we got to figure out how to sustain it and, and really build something. So France is building a big prototype and that'll be kind of the, the, what's the deal with is this like what's the deal with that like super hydron collider is that like that's like something else that's like quantum it's, quarks and stuff something else similar it's that's more scientific than it is uh that's kind of studying the nature of matter and the universe okay okay yeah, yeah. And, for another a, di- a different a different uh, podcast show <laughs> and i don't know a whole lot there i'm not a particle physicist by any means no uh, worries. That, that's really what they're they're going for um, okay rather than uh you know nuclear technology but there is a, a fusion reactor going up in france's prototype and that it'll be interesting to see what happens out of those when when that's done um, i'm not sure when they're supposed to be done with that yeah so so this is compelling in the sense that it can generate a lot of energy um and it's it's not i, I guess it's not it's not re, in a renewable renewable source of energy but it isn't it like a a continually standing like it doesn't like the particles break down over like hundreds of thousands of years or something yeah that's that's the one of the big art so the radiation it has like half-lives that are very long and so when it so it goes from you know uranium whatever i'm this is I don't know exactly what I'm talking about here, but it goes from like gotcha. uranium to, and, it, and it emits particles. So there's like half-lives on that. So the, the radiation that it emits, um, it, it takes a long time for it to go. It's, there are concerns with that, but I think most nuclear physicists and physicists in general, I think are less concerned about that than the other problems associated with climate change. I might be speaking out of my- um, Whatever, pay grade. But uh, <laughs> definitely out of my pay grade, but a little bit. But um, I think nuclear is, it's got a bad reputation. That reputation is oversold in the bad re- direction. And we need to bring it back because it, I think it has a very key role to play. If you want to stop emissions soon. Now, the big thing with nuclear that is why we need to start having this conversation now is it takes time to build and right. qualify nuclear plants. So it's not like a soul, like you can be like today, you and I, if we had mm-hmm. the money <laughs> to, yeah. we could go, give me, give me a couple, give me a couple transactions. <laughs> we could go uh, to buy a plot of land and go, I want to put solar panels on up and they would be up in six months, probably faster cool. and generating electricity. That's that, that, those types of things are fairly fast. Nuclear, it takes 10 years at least probably maybe maybe faster to build a plant qualify it make sure it's safe make sure everything's good and get it generating electricity when it comes to climate change we don't have that time now we need nuclear but that's such it needs to be that kind of coming in in the in the end of the fourth quarter to help save us yeah yeah, <laughs> we need yeah. to start it now to get there <laughs> well um, it, it seems to me like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place where <laughs> We have to convince people 
to fundamentally change everything. And then we have to fundamentally change everything after that. So there's like these two things that are like basically impossible to do, <laughs> as we were saying before, convincing anyone of doing anything and then actually going in and changing, not just an American system anymore, a global economy, but Hey, looky here, we did it this year. You know, if, if, if the, the powers that be act changes happen. So all we need to do is have our voices heard. People are like, I don't want to die from a virus, do something. And they did something, whether you agree with it or not, it did happen. So as we've seen, things can change and change quickly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's been, I, again, that comes back to our eco-modernist take of optimistic, you know, looks, even, even with the negative press, the negative media that, that we feel like we're fighting against people who are just stubborn or whatever it may be. Um, progress is happening. Progress will continue to happen. Mm -hmm. And that is the good, like we, even though it doesn't sound like it, you hear people on the news going, we're not doing enough about climate change. We are making incremental steps. Sure, those steps need to be bigger, but we are doing what we can. There are people every day that go, that start recycling. There are people yeah. every day that start thinking about putting solar on their house. There are people every day who have a conversation like you and I are having right now to yeah. move forward. And so I, we are making progress, even though it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And I think, like you said, we made good steps today and it was really a pleasure having you on. I'm sure we'll come, you'll come on again and chat with us again. I think we need to get into the, the nuclear discussion a bit more when I have some more education about it. I just wanted to just drop one, one more topic because I do worry about this idea where there's, you know, there's the, the, the sequestration, there's pulling the carbon out, there's doing less emissions, but that there is also this idea of reducing how much energy we use and i i'm i worry about a world where you've got a watch on and it says you have 20,502 joules left for the day and then you're out of energy for the day and it becomes like an, a, a monetary thing you know what i mean i just was wondering your thoughts on that because that that's a, a part of the picture it's like we could use less electricity but then it gets into the sticky situation it's like counting calories <laughs> right right that's that's the uh philosophically i think that's the malthusian take on um, yeah <laughs> on, on things uh malthus i think is his name uh yeah. where we, the idea is that you need to reduce to to prevent like we've we've kept progressing and now we're overusing over consuming overdoing all of these things and we're eventually going, we're, we're basically destroying things in that process. I kind of have yeah. the opposite take on that, that in reality, we are making things better, more efficient, and we're utilizing the resources that are there better every single day. And that that's going to be the way out. Yes. We mm -hmm. through that, through that path, we have started polluting more, but I, I believe that through that path, we will also start polluting less. And we need to keep going. If we go back, like, and the idea is there, an example is for um, like sub-Saharan Africa or just Africa in general. They're not even really burning coal for energy yet. Yeah. Right. So we go to them like, well, you should jump to solar or jump, jump ahead of coal. And 
that, that there's an ethical argument there that like, no, we, we should allow them to have the same energy that we've had that's allowed our economy to go crazy. And I, um, I, so the Malthusian idea is that we all need to reduce and therefore we need to reduce the amount of coal being burnt in the world, which means we can't let them burn coal. And so there's a lot of backwards arguments, I think, on that side. And um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of just going in a circle. Um, Fair but, enough. It's complex stuff, as we said. From the <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's. Uh, I'm not a fan of the reduce. Um, yeah, and it, as it seems in life, the uh, and as we've talked, and how it's crazy, and how there's the people who want it. You have to do this. You have to do that. It just seems to me like even not even if it's not the ideal, but the most realistic way is just like, hey man, I'll do a little bit of this. You do a little bit of that. And we'll actually do something. And that is the point is we just need to do something. And we are. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's exactly it. Said it perfectly. Well, Evan, it's been a pleasure to have you on. This has been a long time coming. I I, I think it was a fun conversation. I think I have so much to learn and I'm going to keep doing it, man. Yeah. I have, I enjoyed being here. It was fun. It was fun to talk things out so thanks for having me all right it was an absolute pleasure man well we'll do it again soon all right everybody have a fantastic day stay happy and stay positive this was changing the climate thanks so much for listening to changing the climate a podcast hosted by climate change realty the most innovative real estate corporation ever conceptualized Visit ccrboulder.com today.